Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Thank Your Pain podcast, where we turn the painful moments in our lives into lessons and blessings. And today, we are blessed to have Ismail here with us, Save the Messenger on Instagram. He talks a lot about relationship dynamics, life. He's just, we talked a few minutes before the podcast started, and I'm just kind of blown away by the different things in his life and who he is. So first of all, just thank you so much for being here and being on the podcast with us. Thank you, Ellis. I'm, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So we talked a lot before recording and I'm just shook, shook it because I had assumed that you were very much a relationship coach, but from what you had explained to me, you're more of a relationship mentor and you extract a lot of these very cryptic, very deep, meaningful messages, I'm guessing from, from moments in your own life. Can you explain to us how you came about creating this content in the first place? Yeah. So I've been, I've always been, you know, very interested in self-development and I've always been a writer since I was a kid. I used to write short stories. I used to write poetry and then, you know, when I was a teenager, I got into really into self-development and watching a lot of YouTubers, people that I admire. I got into philosophy, reading, and I studied uh, filmmaking. So as a filmmaker, when you're making movies, you have to write the script. So when you're writing a script, you have to create characters. So you, you know, I've always, I've always been very interested in like people's behavior, and I had to study, you know, what do people think? How do they react to certain things? Because you're pretty much creating a story from scratch and you're creating, you know, characters. And there's this thing that is called subtext in, in, in screenwriting, which is, you know, what the character says is not what he means. Like, you know, if you think of the Godfather when he says, you know, I'll make you an offer that you can't refuse. What he's really saying is like, I'm going to kill you if you don't do what I say. Right. So when you're writing a screenplay, there's all this subtext, all these things. And then you start seeing life through that lens that when people speak, they actually mean something different. So I became very obsessed with people's behavior, you know, studying philosophy, uh, epistemology, how do we gain knowledge and all these things. So, you know, I'm very passionate about those things. I will be writing, you know, movies, writing characters. But then I was always very intrigued by motivational speakers you know like like um you know Gary Vee is one that I like I think is one of the most modern ones uh Tony Robbins you know and I'd always thought like man that's that's such a cool job like you get just to inspire people and, and speak about you know your experiences and you connect with other people and you can push them to do better so so yeah, through all these things, you know, I was going through a very crazy time in my life uh, about two years ago. And then I got to a point where I just hit like rock bottom. Like there was so much going on in my life. I, I got into a huge depth uh, doing some real estate stuff like uh, buying a house. Then I got into two lawsuits. <laughs> From, from like a movie and another one of my businesses. Oh, then, lawsuits. Okay, yeah. wait. So I need to put a pause on this because we're we're going down so many holes, and I want to like make sure we're covering it. Mm -hmm. So you, but it looks like you just started this Instagram like in January. 
Yeah, I started, uh, yeah, like seven months ago. You have like 80,000 followers already. So what, okay, how did, I need to digress for a second because how did the messages, did you just like research for a long time and like all of this pain that was accumulated in the two years from the debt and the lawsuits just created this poetry that you put into reels and people resonated with? Or like, explain that really quick. Oh, I'll, I'll get there in a sec. So, so I was, I was going through the lawsuits. I was going through huge debt. And then I have been dating a girl for five years who I thought I was going to marry and, you know, have a family with. And suddenly she told me that she didn't want to be with me anymore. And like the relationship was over. So that, you know, it's, it's like everything was just crumbling in my life, like so many things, you know, and then the only thing that I thought I had certain it was her. And then suddenly she also walks away from me. So, you know, I, I tell this to a lot of my followers when they reach out and I can tell them like, listen, I know where you are. Like I was there 10 months ago, you know, 12 months ago. So, so that happened. And then I was in such a painful place that I started making TikToks just as sort of like a therapy, honestly. <laughs> like it just felt good for me to speak about. I started talking about relationships. I started talking about um, dating. I started talking about self-development and just like putting out there some ideas that I had. And, and I always speak, everything that I speak is something that I've been through it myself or somebody really close to me has been through it. And me as an observer, like I've, I've had, you know, firsthand, secondhand experience. So I started talking about TikToks and all these things on TikTok about, you know, relationships, dating, self-development. Then one day I'm going out. Um, I was going out on a date and I have this leather jacket and I have these glasses and I'm like, man, I look really good today. Let, let, let me make a video before I leave. And at this point I had like maybe like 4,000 followers on TikTok. Um, so I go to the backyard and I just make a quick video and I say, when a man starts to pull away and I say, you know, like what happens when a man is pulling away from you and all this thing, I leave, I go to the dates, you know, then I come back home, I go to sleep. Next morning I wake up like at 8 AM and I look at my phone and the video has like 1.2 million views, like 3000 comments. And I'm like, what just happened? Wait. So I need to ask a question. Was this the, what did the rest of the video say? Is it the one where it's like, if he's like che checks his phone more and like, uh, did people use that sound as like a reel? No, it's, it's when a man starts to pull away, um, kind of like don't chase his attention, you know, let give him his, his space, let him work on himself, figure himself out. And then he can come back to you if he wants you but don't, pretty much don't interfere and don't chase his attention. That's kind of like the mess. I can't, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, right? but that's kind of what I said. But then when I woke up in the morning and I saw this, like I felt it was kind of like the universe speaking to me and telling me, hey, there's some people that want to hear more about this, especially women, you know, from a male perspective, right? And then a lot of things started clicking in my head you know, because I actually, I grew up around women. I grew up with two single moms, my, my mom and my grandmother. So, and then, you know, I had like two aunts. I had a bunch of girl cousins. I was the only boy in the family. So, you know, so a lot of things started clicking, you know, I started thinking about my exes also, like they would always come to me for advice. And I started thinking about my friends and I realized people always come to me for advice. 
like when it comes to important things in their lives, when it comes to relationships too, because they really trust me, you know? So then all these things, to, it's kind of like, I felt like it was a sign of the universe told me like, hey, talk more about this. So I kept doing that. I kept doing that on TikTok. Then three months later, I jumped into Instagram and then Instagram started kind of slow. And then two months later, it also took off. And actually Instagram just passed my TikTok which is a funny thing because I always see people have more on TikTok than Instagram. And I guess because Instagram has more women, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so that's what I've been doing, talking. And these are things, like I, like I told you, I'm very passionate about relationships. I'm very passionate about helping other people. So I talk about the things that I've been through myself and hopefully, you know, I connect with others that are going through that path. That's why I told you, like, I, I, I think of myself as a mentor. And a mentor is somebody that is like 10, 10 steps ahead of you on what you're going through. So you see like, okay, how can I get there, right? And sometimes, like, sometimes I'm a student, you know, even with some people that message me, I, there's certain things that I haven't been through myself. Like, you know, like a, um, a wife that has three kids and her husband just left, him, left her. You know, those are things that I haven't been, I've seen it in, in some of my family members, but then I'm also a student you know, learning from this kind of situations, you know? Yeah, that is so interesting. Okay. So I really need to, I want to ask you because you grew up with not just women, but you said single, two single mothers, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I need to ask you a deep question because my audience is literally 90% male because I'm a men's coach <laughs> and it sounds like your audience yeah. is like 90% female. So you were raised by females and you mentor females. Do you feel like that has had an impact on your relationships in a positive or a negative way? I think in both ways. I think um, it has in a positive way where I understand female nature very well, you know, and I know how to... Um, bring peace into a relationship with a woman but at the same time because I grew up with women something that I realized for myself it's like I was so empathic to their pain that I would always I had a you know a nice guy syndrome in a way and I also would avoid conflict which I think is needed in a relationship so I would avoid conflict a lot of the times because I didn't want to hurt the woman that I was with and that pretty much ended up castrating me completely, you know? So then uh, those are lessons that I had to learn that I have to, sometimes you, you need conflict in a relationship. Sometimes you need to, you know, have your strong boundaries that they can cross and really say what you want in a relationship, how you want to be loved and all these things. So that in a way taught me that too, that that was a negative effect, if you may. You know, so I think, yeah, I think I learned from, from both sides of the, uh, the spectrum. Wow. I'm so glad that you admitted that because I think a lot of people have, you know, we have a protective ego. We don't want to admit like when we have a nice guy syndrome or, you know, like for me, I have, I was like in survival mode for most of my life. So I have just strong masculine energy end up pushing the dude into like feminine and then I get all mad, you know, so like we, we have to admit and face our, our shadows. Right. Mm -hmm. So my question for you then is, 
were you ever able to find like a male mentor or do you surround yourself by male mentors or do you even see that as important to like have masculine friends or you know yeah definitely definitely i think it's it's super important to have a a strong uh group of men that you admire and that you hang out with and i do i did you know like i grew up in like you know my dad i admire my dad in many ways he was not around too much you know he also came to the united states when i was back in cuba so i grew up he was in and out in and out and then he left during my adolescence which was like some of the hardest days i think growing up in in my life through high school you know where you're starting to date girls you have all these questions you know things that you're going through and you don't have a male figure there to tell you what to do so then you have your friends that are going through the same you know so but i also felt things that i learned in my relationships that uh you know a lot of the times when i would get in a relationship i would stop hanging out with my 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 friends my male friends right and i would i would become isolated in that relationship so then I would lose contact with them. And yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying. I felt my masculine energy, you know, would really suffer. And then I would have a very, you know, feminine energy, if you may. You know, but the funny thing is that when that happened, then I went to the extremes and then I overcompensated and I became super <laughs> masculine. I was just going to ask you that too. Like, do you think that... Um all the information that you know about relationships and your experience with women also positively or negatively impacts your relationships with men because men aren't, aren't naturally encouraged to acknowledge emotions and to be vulnerable. And, and this is just a generalization, but if there's two single women, usually they do have more masculine energy because they kind of have to take care of everything. So it's a little bit different, I'm sure, but do you think that also had an impact on your on your male friendships and relationships then or not really? Yeah, well, you know, I was I was I mean it's it's a lot of like I was born in a very tough neighborhood in Cuba, so for example, like I was very sheltered in my house as a kid, but then when I went started going to school, when I started hanging out with my friends back in Cuba, you know, I started really seeing the harsh reality of like how competitive it was, how aggressive these kids were. And it's also like, I was actually, my, my cousin and I, we, we were the only white kids uh, in the class. So we were like, they were racist towards us sometimes, but it was, it was a healthy racism. It's not like here in America, but we would get bullied for our skin tones, for our noses. There's such a thing as healthy racism. Uh, well, what do you mean? Not, well, because it, it's not really racism. It's kind of like you are pointing out uh, your differences, but you don't you you don't do it in a way like it's it's just you're used to it. Like it's hard to explain, but it's kind of like saying, "Oh, you you have big ears, right?" And like I have a big nose or whatever. And like it's people identify with that, but it, you don't say it. You don't say it in a way of like, "Oh, you're white, so you're lesser than me." It's more like, oh, look at your pale skin. That's funny. You know, it's it's a hard, it's a very, you know, when you come from a different culture, it's hard to explain these things because when when I came to America and I started seeing, you know, the racism here and stuff, like for me, it was a complete different perspective than the type of the type of things that I had experienced in Cuba, where you a lot of the times you talk about the difference 
the differences in skin tone and you even make fun of all the people for their skin tones but you don't do it in a way it's just it's just kind of like it's not gonna hold you back in life it's just like as if you're (laughs) the part of like you used ears it's just like oh this person's ugly but it doesn't mean they're gonna like not get a job Exactly. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, you you point out. So the it's just normalized. It's just bullying. <laughs> I don't know if I would classify it as healthy. But, <laughs> but the thing is, I think you know, like when, I, for example, like I saw my nephew when I saw bullying here in the U.S. You know, like I grew up with a lot of bullying, but when you grew up in an environment like that, you become resilient to it so it doesn't really affect you people would make fun of my skin tone of my nose because i was white in this or my hair you know and like it didn't really affect me in many ways because i would i would make fun of them and they would make fun of the other kid and we would be all be making fun of each other so yeah it's hard to explain these things you have to really experience them to to understand what i mean but no but i love i love what you're saying and i that's the reason why i want to keep diving into this with you because this also has an impact on all of our relationships because you grew up in Cuba with this culture, right? And then you come to the US and it's totally different. So how did that impact your relationships? <laughs> Do you find it like hard to relate or did you find someone else who was also from Cuba and so you could have something in common? Yeah, well, I mean, when I first got here, so you have to understand, so I was 19, and I always thought, you know, I'm going to get married to a Cuban woman in, in Cuba. I'm just going to have my family there. I'm going to die old with her, most likely. So then your life completely shifts. So now I'm in New York going to film school. I'm starting to meet American women. And there's a lot of cultural cl- clash. I'm meeting like European women. That's a complete different story. Okay, you know? I need to just ask really quick. What was your first impression of American women? Because when I, I'm a traveler and when I go to other countries, the assumption is that we're very easy and that's why we get hit on a lot. So mm-hmm. when you came to America, what, what was your assumption of all of these new different kinds of women? Um, I mean, I thought, um, I mean, I can't even like, I thought that the, for me was the pitch, the voice pitch of like, of like American women, I thought there was very high and they're very, they were very like um, talkative. They will speak a lot, like a very high pitch. Um, yeah, that was kind of like-, like What was your assumption of like their personality or their- Well, I How think- How did you I, see them? I saw them, I saw them as a like very flirty sometimes. But, but I also like, I don't know, because I would see them cold sometimes, but sometimes we, I, I can tell, I, I can see the difference with uh, Hispanic women, for example. I thought American women were a little bit colder, let's say, than Latinas. Like, I don't know, like Latinas are more affectionate for me in my experience, you know? <laughs> I'm not saying I've met American women that were very affectionate, you know, but overall, I, I think that was the experience. But look, saying something as simple as this. For example, I was dating this. She was actually Cuban-American, but she was born in New York. And I, 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 went, to her, uh, I went to her school and I was visiting. And suddenly we were talking or whatever. 
and she says like, oh my God, I hate you. And she walks away to the bathroom. But it's like, it, we were making fun of each other or something like that. And she said it in a way of like, oh my God, I hate you and walked away. But because I was new to the culture, like in Cuba, when you, when you tell somebody, I hate you, it's like, you want them, yeah, you despise that person, right? <laughs> so she tells me this of like, I hate you. She just walks away. And I'm over there like, oh my God, like this relationship is over. She hates me. Like what just happened? <laughs> and then she walks back and she's just laughing and like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, wait, like you just told me you hated me. And then you walked away. Like what's going on? You know, so those cultural, you know, uh, clashes that I have, like, and I have, you know, many other ones with like how I like to do things going, you know, uh, the dinners and all this stuff. So, but yeah, eventually, obviously, I mean, you know, I'm very Americanized also because I grew up watching a lot of like Hollywood movies and Disney, you know, Pixar. So I feel, I really feel that I'm Cuban American. Like I feel most of my values are very Cuban traditional and stuff, but a lot of my ideals of capitalism, you know, and things like that, I think are very American when it comes to also like music and movies, you know, so I think I'm like 50-50. I got the best of both worlds, if you may. That's awesome. Okay, so then I have another question for you. When you say like Cuban values, right? And mm. the way that things are kind of going in America as far as like relationships, it seems like very hard. It seems very hard. I'm going to say that because I don't really think that we should, you know, latch onto these things, but it seems very hard to date or to get in a serious relationship or, you know, like a lot of marriages have divorces and, um, you know, like there, there are different like family dynamics that are changing. So with your values and how you see everything kind of going today, like, what do you feel is the state of relationships? Like, where do you think it's going? Or like, do you think it's hard for you to find what you're looking for or yeah, I think, um, well, one problem that I see, for example, um, things like dating apps and all these things, I think there's just an abundance of choice, you know, like people have a lot of choices now more than back then. So I think, and this is happening with everything, look in movies, right? Like I go on Netflix and I get lost. I don't even know what to pick. And the same thing, you know, back you know, back when I was uh, using dating apps, like um, I was using dating apps, I think like six, seven months ago. But like, for example, I will be on a date, let's say with somebody and I will get a notification on my phone that I had a new match. And even though I was on the date, my curiosity, because we are curious animals, I really wanted to see, oh, who's this other person? And I can't even imagine how it must be like for women that have so many <laughs> options too, you know? So I think, it's creating a problem when you have too many choices and especially for women, I think social media is also creating like, you know, women back in the day, I feel, for example, as a man, if you wanted to approach a woman, you had to go through, like, I remember high school, you know, I had to write a letter with a pencil, give it to her friend and she would give it to her. And then, you know, try to set a day where I would be alone with her. All this, I had to put so much, so much effort that when I got to speak to her, like I earned that moment, you know, so I would really value it. Now it's like, I just got to swipe right and we match, we talk and then we go on a date. So it's very easy. So when things are very easy, 
you don't value them as much. And then you have this abundance of choice and then you're thinking, oh, what if the next one is even better? So I think that creates a problem for women and men where, because I think relationships is really commitment. People talk about love and all these things, but I think commitment is the most important thing because you have to say, I'm committing to this person, even though I know that I have many other matches, many other choices, I want to make it work with this person because I really admire them. And because you can always find, you know, like, let's say you find a girl that loves soccer, like you watching soccer, watching games, but then she doesn't like reading. And then you find one that likes reading, but doesn't like soccer. So it's like that challenge, like she's a 10, but she doesn't like soccer. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) we're we're going to do that in a second at the end, but okay, continue on. But yeah, so you, I think you just have to commit to somebody and say like, okay, I'm picking this person because I really admire all these qualities. And even though I know there are all the matches out there, I just want to make it work with this person, you know? So I think that's, that's really what it comes down to. That's so interesting. So like two questions come up from that. And one is the illusion of choice. Do you actually think that we have more choices now than we did before, or this is like a theory that I have. I think we just have a scarcity of standards and like, we think that there's like more choices, but if you, like you say on Netflix, there's so many movies I'm I'm like lost, but that's, if you just go into Netflix and you don't know what genre you want to watch, you don't know what mood you're in. You don't know any actors of movies. Like when you start to narrow things down, the illusion of choice is like much more narrow. Like you have a lot less choices. It's just something that I feel like. Well, if you have, depends on your standards for, but for example, let's say if you were back in 1998 as a woman, let's say as a beautiful woman in 1998, you would get maybe hit on like men at work or through your, through uh, family, friends, men that you met right now, you know, you had, you had those choices but you will meet probably somebody through your family or at work or at a place that you went, but you had to, you had to go out there and interact with men. Let's say right now, as a beautiful woman, you just have to post a picture on Instagram and then you get a thousand men DMing you and it's very easy. Right? Yeah. And but are can- any of those actually a choice though? Because when you're talking about like energetically or vibrationally, well, a who, good you, who you want to match with, like if, if I'm, uh, me, you know, and I get DM'd, I've had people and I posted on my stories. So this is not a surprise to anyone listening to this. Like people say, Oh, you know, is, can someone like me have a chance with you or whatever? But like the answer is no, and not a like ego way or whatever, but like my vibrational match wouldn't approach me in that way. So it's not a choice for me. Just it's just an illusion of choice. Well, I think you mean, I think you, you're, you mean like a good choice or like a, somebody that matches you, but it's still a choice. You're just turning it down in my point of view. Like you still have the choice. If you say yes, now great. Yeah. Good because you have like a lot of options. Okay. Okay. If you want to call it options. Yeah. I guess like, exposure creates many options. And that's what you're saying is like, we have so much more exposure now, but I love how you brought up though, the ease uh, negates the value. Yes, definitely. That's why I also, well, this is a little bit political, but I don't believe in like things that are free. 
because I come from a communist country and everything that's free. <laughs> You're bringing this up. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in free education. I don't believe in like free healthcare. I think it should be very affordable. Like things should be like, if you're going to get a heart transplant and it costs you $5 a month, you will get it. It's not a big deal. But when you make things free, really you don't value them as much. And I, I can really tell you this because I grew up in, in a country where these things were free and people would not care about taking care of the hospitals, would not care about taking care of the schools. You know, that's why I love the capitalist system because it's, it's, it's a private business and you as a private owner really want to take care of your business and want to make sure that it thrives. Now you can have the free options competing with the market, right? I think that's a good idea, but making everything free, horrible idea in my experience. Yeah. Well, just to digress from that, you know, it's like I used to live in California and they do the most for the homeless, but they have the worst homeless population. It's gets, and it gets worse and worse uh, day by day. I think there's a good balance though, that you need to find because our system is really in America, really corrupt as far as like healthcare and how we help people. I think there definitely needs to be more of a balance, but I think it's very interesting that you say that coming from Cuba and then saying, I believe in capitalism and the system. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. I came here, I was 19, I'm 32 now. And I think in 13, like I was basically reborn in this country. Like I'm 13 years old in a way. And like, I think everything that I've been able to accomplish, you know, for myself, like I think that you can only do it in America. Like there's no other place in the world where you can do all these things. So I'm very grateful, you know? Wow. That is so, so beautiful. So I, um, just to get back on to relationships, most of my yeah. followers are men, my community, my warriors. Um, so is there any advice that you would give to men, you know, having been surrounded by all these women and, and advising women, mm -hmm. is there any advice that you would give to men when it comes to approaching women? First off, how can they approach women and make them feel, I get this question a lot. How can they approach women and make them feel safe or, or have a better chance at at get, getting a date with them? Well, I think, well, <laughs> I believe a man's, most men mindset, 99% of men, the approach why they have in their mind is like, they want to be intimate with the woman. It's the first thing. How can I get her at my place? Or how can I get, how can I get intimate with her? Right. And I think even though me as a man, you know, when I see a woman that I like, obviously that is a priority <laughs> that I would like to do, but I think you have to be genuinely interested in the person. And also, I also believe because I did it through my twenties and I've had those experiences that casual sex really leads you down a rabbit hole that where you feel very unfulfilled and unsatisfied. And it might be okay when you're in your early 20s and you're gaining experience in all these things, but I think really building intimacy and a meaningful relationship with a woman, is, it's a very beautiful thing. And yeah, I, I just think approaching a woman, you have, to, you have to know, be genuinely interested in her and seeing what can you bring to the table? Why would she pick you over anybody else? You know, and like, I think when you really are genuinely interested, when you establish communication, you start talking, you want to get to know her, you're not thinking only about what you want to get from her, you're wishing, you're, you're 
thinking about the connection that you want to build with her, right? I think it's, it's not very hard. <laughs> if you go genuinely like that and you approach women with that mindset. Hey, I love that you said that because it was going to be one of the first bits of advice. I haven't made the video yet, but it was going to be one of the first bits of advice because women are very intuitive and we can sense whether you're just trying to get in our pants or not. And that's why a lot of people just get rejected because we can tell there's no effort. We can tell that you don't actually care. So why would we? Because women are shamed for casual sex. Yeah. So it's like, we're not even going to be able to enjoy anything that you're trying to offer us from that front. And B, we know if you're not being honest, like it's just, it's just a huge turnoff, right? It's different. You know, some women are looking for casual sex. And if you just say, yo, I'm just looking for something casual. Great. Perfect match right there. You know, like you don't have to beat her on the bush for it. Um, yeah, I think it definitely, it's like, depends on what you're looking for. And like, depends, like, for example, I remember, um, I would be going out to clubs and doing all this, you know, partying life in my mid twenties. And then I would always struggle with the women that I would meet because they wouldn't match my energy and there would be just too much to handle for me. But then I realized, yeah, I think I'm looking in the wrong place. Like, you know, um, so I stopped looking for women at clubs. Were you looking honestly, for a relationship in a club? I was kind of looking for something Love serious. Love in the club. <laughs> you know, <But> then <laughs> like, I was looking on. in the wrong place. And you have to know, you have to know also like what you want I think as a man like if you like you said if you want casual sex then don't use a girl that is looking for a relationship you know which is what a lot of men do uh try to find somebody that is looking for the same thing and that way you know it's it's all good she gets what she wants and you get what you want but I feel a lot of the times then they they you know they want they get a girl that's looking for a relationship and they want casual sex or they want a relationship and they go with a girl that is like looking for casual sex, which also happens a lot because a lot of the times this happened to me too. Like if she's attractive, you don't even care what she's looking for. <laughs> like, you know, if you feel very attracted to her, it takes a lot of willpower for you to be like, yeah, you're attractive, but I'm looking for a different thing and turning that down. Like, I don't think a lot of men can do that. They, and then they end up getting, you know, uh, their feelings hurt because then they see when the energy doesn't match, it just, they just fall down the rabbit hole, you know? So. Well, and that brings up a really great point on your profile. It says in order for your relationships to work, I'm paraphrasing, like you have to take responsibility for you. And what I found with, um, some, some men and, and women, there's so many, there's so much victim mentality in the dating community where an, an explosion of everybody's suddenly a narcissist, everybody suddenly like got toxic symptoms. And I, I just want to go back to, I really think it's because we fall into these places where we just don't know our own boundaries and standards and what we want. So we go into this relationship and then because somebody hurts us because they don't want what we want, all of a sudden they're evil. And, and I find that with men, it's like, they don't know, they're not aware that they have nice guy syndrome because there's so much of a nice guy that they don't have boundaries and they don't want to deal with conflict. So they self-sacrifice and they do absolutely everything they can for the woman. But because they're so focused on making the woman love them, they don't, they don't know how to be loved. And then they get mm -hmm. mad and then generalize all of the female population. Yep. 
I know that I'm going off on a tangent, but like, do you, how do you feel like we can start to pull out of that narrative? Like how can men start to take responsibility or control for the women that they bring into their lives? Yeah, the, the quote that I have on my profile is like, for your relationships to change, you need to change. And I think being, being too selfish or being too selfless is also a bad thing. I think both that's an imbalance in your personality and your character. I think you need to be selfless when it needs to be selfless, but all the times you need to be selfish. And I believe in account accountability when it comes to relationships even even the times that i got cheated on like i took full responsibility because i'm the one who picked that person and i really saw it coming and still stayed in the relationship because i was i was too weak to leave it or i i wanted the company and i wanted the intimacy and i didn't want to lose lose that because i didn't want to get to the point of uh being lonely again being alone and that uncomfortable you know i didn't want to come out of my comfort zone so I think it's always important with everything that happens in your life to take responsibility because you're the one who picked a person and your actions led to a lot of the things. But at the same time, you don't have to go to the extreme where you punish yourself or like, oh, no, they, you know, they did this because I did that. And like, then you start really punishing yourself a lot. I think you take responsibility, you learn the lesson, and then you make better choices in the future. You know, that's, that's what I feel. But I think yeah, like a lot of the times people don't want to look at themselves. They're like, oh, this person is a narcissistic. And honestly, we all have narcissistic traits. Like, you know, let's be honest. Like, I think some people less than others, but I think a lot of the times they just, they don't want to look at themselves and they just want to blame the other person and just completely, they victimize themselves. And they're like, oh, this person is so narcissistic. They're toxic, this and that. And like, and they play the victim mentality, you know? Absolutely. And I love that you brought up the internalization of like guilt or shame Mm -hmm. for what the other person has done. And I feel like if anybody's listening to this right now and you internalize like the betrayals of others onto yourself, that's also part of the lesson that we have, right? Is no, we can, no matter what, like no matter how many tools that you have, no matter who you are, you can never control somebody else. And you're always at risk to get your heart broken. You're always at risk to get, um, you know, cheated on or betrayed. And like the less that you can take responsibility for that mm-hmm. and just understand, like you said, whoever I partner with is a vibrational match to me in some way. I always mm-hmm. choose the perfect person for me, whether it's like a life partner or whether it's someone to show me how I need to love myself deeper. So yeah. I think it's like, that's so beautiful that you, you brought that up to find a balance with responsibility versus just like self-shame and I'm not good for anyone. And, you know, that's also a victim mentality. Yeah. I think everything is a balance and also your expectations. I feel people have very unrealistic expectations. Like if you really think about it, for example, like all relationships end, all of them, even if you find a perfect partner one day they're going to pass away or you're going to pass away first and the other person is going to be alone. So I feel you have to, I know this is a very nihilistic point of view, but like it's reality, you know? So you have to enter a relationship with some people are very guarded and like, Oh, this person cheats on me. Like you never know what can happen in the future. The future is uncertain, right? So you focus on the present, you pick this person and you hope it turns out for the best. If they cheat, 
If they leave you, you know, those are things that you cannot control. The only thing that you can control, like you said, is that you bring your best to the table, right? That's why a lot of the times when people are going, like a lot of the women that message me when they're going through uh, issues in their relationship, I tell them like, you know, stop chasing the men, stop giving him attention, focus on yourself. Yes. Because what's happening is when you chase something, you know, subconsciously that thing wants to get away from you. Yes. Like if you chase a dog, it runs away. I always bring this away. up. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> you know? So I think the best way is just you're focusing on yourself and you're attracting that person and that person is focusing on themselves and they're attracting you. So it's a constant, you know, attracting each other. The moment you start chasing the other person, then you start pushing them away. So, and that's, that's majorly what I find um, in relationships. And it's also what I told you that I think really what I talk about in all of my videos is about self-love and how to love yourself more. And because that's something that I've really, I've struggled with my whole life. And I think I've, I've, I've gotten to a point where I've overcome, you know, a lot of these things and I'm still working on it, but you know, that's, that's what I feel most of this problems in the world, like most of the problems in the world and in relationships, I think arise from a lack of self-love and people, and it, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, I love myself. But then when you look at their actions, it really shows that they have very low self-esteem and their self-image is not that they don't think the best of themselves, you know? They hate parts of themselves, like some physically, some of uh, parts of their behavior, you know? So yeah, that's, that's why I, I try to speak about these things. I think it's always talking about self-love. Absolutely. I love that. I don't know if you've ever heard of like Esther or Abraham Hicks. No. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll send you some videos. <laughs> uh, she's essentially, she's like a spiritual teacher who talks about, you know, when you, when you literally make yourself kind of like the center of the universe, just focus on being happy, focus on your desire. Everything you want is, is an alignment and attracted to you. Like, and if you're always focused on feeling good within relationship and the other person is always focused on feeling good, they for themselves and you, for you, and you guys have matched up you know, you don't have to worry because no matter what, you're going to be feeling good and you don't put so much weight and expectations, like you said on, and this is like transition that I've made just very recently, because I used to like, I think like everybody, your expectation is that if it doesn't last forever, it's a failure or like it was a waste of time or it's like, you know, but I think that's because when we get into relationships, suddenly we self-sacrifice the dedication to our own, like maybe not fully, but like you still, like you you, you try to like make the relationship, the thing that and it needs to last and you need to do things to make it work. But if you're working yourself mm -hmm. in your life and you're so freaking happy, like relationships are just like, I, I thought the other day, like no one can ever betray me. Like if they cheated on me, it's like, that's not betraying me. Like it, I am living my own life in a good way. And, and that is maybe something I needed to, to learn or to like experience. And, but I'm not going to, I've if I don't betray myself, I can never be betrayed. And I think the only way that you can be hurt by things like that, well, now that I'm embodying this, the only way I could be hurt by things like that anymore is if I sacrifice something to keep that alive. Mm -hmm. Because then I have just, then I have lost my alignment. But if I'm in alignment and it happens, like, 
why do I care? Because I'm living my life happily and that will just naturally fade away. Like it, it won't happen. I just won't be an energetic match to it. That's, that's a great mindset. I know what you mean. I always, I always give the analogy of like, you know, like a, like a cup of water, like most people have their glasses, like half full and they want to bring another person and put water so they can feel whole. Right. And like, what I say is like, make sure, learn how to feel like a full cup of water. And then what you do is you add flavor to it. So you bring lemon, you add lemon, you know, you make a lemonade, you bring strawberries and that's what it should feel like. You should feel completely like I'm completely, I listen, I want to be a father. I want to, you know, I want to have a, an amazing wife and all these things, but I can tell you that I'm completely okay. If I spend the rest of my life alone and like, I don't, I don't have a family. Like if, if it turns out to be that way, like that's fine. I can, I can live my life like that, you know? So these are things that I want, but I don't need them, which is, I think is the difference. And I think a lot of people, the moment that you don't accept reality as it is, and you're trying to, you know, push your will upon it. And you think like, I want the perfect husband. I want to be married forever. I want to have three kids. Then anything that comes in the way of that desire is going to cost you a lot of pain. You know, so you can want these things, but the moment that you think like, no, life has to be this way, then you're really setting yourself up for a lot of pain when obstacles come in the way, you know? Well, that also inspires a question. Do you think that a lot of people in favor of those wants will settle, you know, because I need to have my baby, I need to get married, like I'm this age. Do you feel sure. like people settle or do you feel like maybe they should settle? Cause you said love is about commitment. Uh, I th but I think a lot of people settle. I think a lot of women settle because they spend a lot of their twenties messing around and then making bad choices when it comes to men, because they think they have, you know, the whole world ahead of them or whatever, like they have a lot of time. And then they date somebody for three, four years, they get cheated on or whatever. And then now they're 30 and now they're starting, you know, <laughs> they started having pressures from society. Certain perception of women, because I have a different perception. This is what mm -hmm. I see, not what I've experienced, because I would never do this. Not that, not that it's a negative thing. I'm just saying this wasn't precursor. I never wanted to get married or have children. So that's why I would never. But a lot of women, what from what I see, I don't feel like they're trying to mess around. I feel like they are trying to have a husband from a young age. They stay with a dude for like five to seven years and still aren't engaged, but they just keep holding on. What do you feel about that? Do you feel like there is like, because there's a saying, right? Of like, if a dude is like not engaged to you after a certain amount of time, he's still just looking for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? I think there's just, I mean, well, it depends on the woman, what you were saying. I think some women really want to get married in an early stage, like a 24, 25, 26, um, all the ones are really, they don't really care. They're just going around and having experiences and then they get caught up when they're turned 30. But yeah, like, I think, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't believe marriage is really that necessary for a relationship to be successful. I know relationships that are married, uh, people that are married and they're very miserable and all the ones that are not married and been for a long time too, and they're very happy. So I don't think, but I think if, if the woman wants to be married, right, and it's really important for her, because men, some men really, uh, you know, believe that about marriage. I think most men don't really care much about marriage, but if it's important for the woman, 
and it's a beautiful ceremony, it's a beautiful special day, I think as a man, you would want to give that day to her, right? To make that special day. So if you haven't done this, and this is actually because it's women, I've had women in my family where the guy was engaged for 10 years, got uh, the guy um, didn't, didn't uh, she didn't get engaged to him for like 10 years. Then they finally got engaged after 10 years and four months later, he left her for another woman. So it was fucked like, up. yeah, like he That's was not, up. yeah. So I think if, if you as a woman, if you really want to get married and you've been dating this guy for a long time, let's say over three years and he hasn't proposed, I think it's either because I, I know, actually I know a couple that is like that and he's never, he doesn't want to get married, but he has his own personal issues and I understand why he doesn't want to get married. So it's either he has something really personal where he doesn't believe in marriage or he doesn't want to get married um, or he doesn't really care. Um, uh, like he's, he's thinking about other choices. He doesn't want to be locked down. So I think it's, it's a very, you know, it depends on the man really. Well, I have a question for you then because, and you can, you can decline to answer if you want, but you said you were with your ex for five years. Were you guys engaged? No. I, but you I, did say that you thought that you were going to like have a family with them. Yeah, but you know, that, that's a funny thing. Like subconsciously, I always felt something was off. And mm. I, would always postpone it. I would always postpone it. I'd be like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try to get engaged next year. Something still feels off. And, I, and now looking back, it's because I realized our energies, we were not compatible. We were incompatible, incompatible in so many ways. I love that you said that though and that that you would admit that it's not a bad thing to say that and to not um just push beyond that feeling and do it anyway like you should be super proud of yourself actually because like you said it saves you from a lot of pain but i really want to bring this up because in like my past relationship i had such a desire to get married and not necessarily to that person just such a desire and not like not like a desperate desire, but like, you know, it's just a beautiful thought, but I knew, I just knew that he didn't see me in that way, even though he said he did, because he wouldn't future project. He wouldn't, you know, like, so like, I feel like we always have this feeling of like, if it's going to happen or not, even from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. we just do things to try to fool ourselves because the relationship is nice and it's comfortable and it works. Um, But at the end of the day, I feel like you freaking know. Yeah. Well, I think like I like I think when it comes to relationships, there's chemistry and then there's compatibility. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just believe that because they have amazing chemistry, which was the case in this relationship, for example, you think everything is perfect. But then when you start because chemistry sometimes fades, you know, it's almost like a blinking light. Sometimes it's weak, sometimes it's strong. So in the moments that it was weak and then compatibility will kick in, you will realize, oh man, we're not compatible in so many ways. And eventually when chemistry was very low and like, you know, I was going through all these problems in my life, then it, the, the really, the relationship was so weak because, you know, we were so incompatible in so many other ways. So it ended, you know, it, the relationship uh, really suffered. And I think also going back to your point, I believe there's uh, just like the law of diminishing returns, which I think, you know, you compare it to this in a way, like I feel 
people get in a relationship, for example, and they start having problems, they start having conflict. And then they say, oh, like, you know what? Let's do the next step because that's going to save the relationship. Let's go move in together. And then let's go, let's get married. And then it's that, oh, that new, you know, that dopamine hit of the new experience. And then let's go have a kid. And hold on a second, let's have two kids. And then once they get through all those experiences, that's why I think divorces, I think the the year, like seven years is like the, the average divorce, almost like more than 60%, something like that. But it's almost like people get divorced after seven years. And I think it's because after they go through all those experiences, now there's nothing, you know, no new experiences, let's say as a couple like that. If you're very incompatible with, with that person, then that's it, it's done. And, and they end up, you know, being very unhappy. And usually women are the ones who file for divorce. I think it's, it's a huge percentage, like 70, 80 percent, something like that in the United States. So so then they end up getting divorced because they ran out of experiences, let's say like that, you know. Well, I think that's, that's a major factor, but there's, there's so much else that goes into, into divorces, I'm sure. But, um, wow. Well, this has been an amazing podcast and I feel like we could talk all day. You're, you very much intrigue me and I'm sure that so many of my listeners right now are just like, wow, uh, in their minds. But, um, one last question Mm -hmm. for anybody right now who maybe is struggling within their relationship, right? Mm -hmm. They're in that limbo of, like you said, should I stay or should I go or commitment? Do you have any advice for how to navigate that realm? I think when when you're not certain about your relationship is because you're lacking something in your life you yourself as an individual. I think when you are aligned with your purpose, with the things that you want, with your goals, with the type of person you want to be with your character, I think it's very easy to make the choice. I think when you are, um, you know, going through a path, a, a, a path of indecision, like being indecisive, you don't know who you are, you're finding yourself and all these things, then I think it is when it, it gets very you know, hard to make a choice and you don't know what to choose. So I would tell you, look at yourself, look at your own life and focus on yourself and the things that you love, what you're passionate about. And then I think that would help you to decide what to do regarding the relationship. Wow. That is so beautiful. I'm so grateful for your wisdom here today. Can you tell us where, where, where can people find you? Where can they like get in your zone? Yeah. Save in Instagram, you know, save the messenger, TikTok, save the messenger, YouTube, save the messenger. That's, that's where I'm at. Save the messenger. Whenever I read that, I always think of Greece for some reason. Well, you know, the, the expression shoot the messenger, right? Right. So it's kind of like, because back in the day, the messenger will bring the bad news and they will kill the messenger for bring So save the messenger that brings the good news. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, I will link Ismail's, uh, all his social medias and everything in the show notes below. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about today's episode, let us know. Hopefully we'll have him on again soon enough and I'll see you guys soon. Thank you.